Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 53 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. This time we read Mazeppa the Wolfhound by Raymond N. Domkowitz. If this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at Terrible Book Club is read books that we assume will be bad, and this is based on either their cover or title summary or some combination of, uh, of those things. So we force ourselves to read books that we would never otherwise choose to pick up. Uh, usually this results in a hilariously disappointing read. Once in a while, though, a book comes along that's pretty good, or at least sort of subverts our assumptions. Um, today, though, I, I don't think that happened. <laughs> nope. Um, once again, we were disappointed. I was disappointed in many ways by this book. Yeah, um, before before we get into it too much, though, um, I'd just like to thank the person who recommended this book. So thank you uh, to my friend Lisa, who recommended this book to us, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, something crazy like that. It's been a long time. Uh, so at least thank you for your patience. Uh, she used to work in publishing and has found other wonderful nonsense for us, namely one of our lost books. Uh, we had an episode about a book called When an Elf Appears. <laughs> that yeah, uh that was like elisa had found for us so altered beast tiger sex book or something yeah it was uh it was t- lion no it was lion sex it was and lions was... and tigers and bears I no i know bears this time around you think maybe in the no it was like it was like a lion and a dog i don't know anyway it was like weird fucking animal sex um that's i guess we're not talking about that today weirdly um well <laughs> So this week, so for the content warnings this week are pretty minor. Uh, we will be discussing some mild violence, race and racism, and one particular scene involving nursing an infant that is very bizarre. It's probably not what you think, but it's weird, so I'm just warning you about it. Uh, this book is also all about dogs, so if you've got a dog phobia, uh, this one is not I, for you. I have an issue with that statement, Paris. Yeah, okay, it's not all about... <laughs> it's not... We'll, we'll, we'll get into it's, it in a it's, minute. It's, yeah. Hang yeah. on, hang on. All right, uh, this is the book summary for Mazeppa the Wolfhound. Mazeppa the Wolfhound is a story about the origins of Salukis, one of the oldest breeds of dogs. It takes place in ancient times, about 7,500 years ago, and in modern times, circa the 1920s in the south of the United States. It also tells of Mazeppa's noble passage from the earth to the starlights beyond all human knowledge and dreams, the Rainbow Bridge and Saluki Heaven. But it is not a typical story about Salukis. It is about immortality, the perfection of being, family, and good and evil. It is about the Saluki as a role model for unconditional love and how our dogs affect our lives. 
there are bits and pieces of many genres. Fantasy, history, Christians and pagans, southern U.S. culture, race relations, and care of the sick, elderly, and disabled. But remember, it is fiction. It is fantasy. <laughs> I have so many problems with just the summary. I can't. The summary is not accurate. It's, no, it's... Inc- it's kind of accurate, but it's not really accurate. No. Uh, so th- it is accurate in that it tells you this book focuses largely on Salukis. So if if you are not a dog person or you've never heard of that dog, um, imagine a greyhound with long ears and long hair, kind of. They're, they're very fast. They have a similar um, uh, sight hound body. So a sight hound is like a, a slim, sort of tall dog uh, that can run very fast and they hunt by sight. Um, my mom was, like, an amateur dog breeder, and I had dogs as a kid, so I I have all this, like, fucking dumb dog knowledge that I guess is coming in handy today. Great, thanks. Um, but usually, I doesn't matter. Um, anyway, Salukis, yes, they are one of the technically oldest breeds of dogs. They were um, very popular in, you know, Sumer, Egypt, other areas in Mesopotamia and the Fertile Crescent. Um, again, very similar to... Uh, other sight hounds like greyhounds, pharaoh hounds, uh, bo- uh, borzois. I don't know. There's like a whole host of dogs that are pretty similar. There's a lot of dog breeds I don't even know about, and I like dogs a lot. That's what I'm saying. When I was a kid, my mom was really into dogs, and she was an amateur dog breeder, and I know way too much about dogs. Um, oh, so that being said, I'm not like I'm not like a dog freak now, but man. Th- this author Paris, is dog freak. That's the, the, your your mind freak. Ray Donkwitz, dog freak, dog freak. <laughs> oh boy, we're gonna take this ancient dog and make it immortal. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Actually, I don't even know. Should we? I kind of want to get into the authorship before we get into anything else yeah, about the book. Yeah, so like another dog so, book. Yeah, I was gonna say this sounds familiar, Chris. You want to tell the uh, people why? There's like a double layer authorship, like author within an author slash. I don't know if this this person was made up or not. Okay, because apparently Mr. Domkovitz is relaying the story from. Some I forgot his first name. It's like something. His nickname is Runt, and oh. then his last name is Make Peace. Yeah, yeah. As his... in the words "Make and Peace" put together, which makes me feel like it's super fake. No, no, no. It's real. Um, yeah. So the guy who's listed as the author, Raymond Domkovitz, he kind of uh, reorganized and rewrote the notes of a guy named. Michael Runt Makepeace, Brigadier General Michael Runt Makepeace, U.S. Army retired, uh, he reminds us. So, oh, and it gets weirder. So, at first you're like, okay, this is just like um, a, a man, a dog, and his cop or badge or whatever the fuck that book was called. <laughs> that we read. Yeah, what the dog hell? cop book. About... Yeah, the, it was like a man... His dog. Oh my god! I said a man. His dog. You're and his cop. A second right, ago, it's it, the one with the hot nanner part in it. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. It was a few episodes ago. Um, we read this book where it was about this guy's life, and he was he was a, a canine officer, and he was really into his dog. And the guy listed as the author wasn't actually the guy who the story was about. It was just his friend who did it for him. And this is exactly the same thing. It's so bizarre. Like. Both dog guys 
both like military or law enforcement dudes who just like hand their memoirs to someone else to deal with i guess like do law enforcement dog people also want to write a lot but act, don't actually want to do it for some reason I, like what's stopping I don't, them I like... don't, yeah that's that's my question like may, maybe they just didn't feel like they had enough expertise to do it so they wanted someone else to do it but like i said it gets weirder so if you read the footnotes at the end you find out that so not only do we have like the actual ghost author and then this guy who kind of edited it and maybe embellished a little bit. This was also copy edited by somebody, which is surprising. Uh, the copy editor is listed as Sharon Mariah Steele, PhD, which sounds yeah, like a Bond these villain. These are all super uh, fake names, though. Yeah, no, they're real. Uh, sh- I looked Sharon up. She's real. Uh, she is a dog breeder. Uh, Raymond Domkovitz is a CPA in Maryland, I guess. Um, and, uh, Runt make pieces dead. Oh, um, oh. well, he's not then, making no peace no more. Oh, here, here, it gets better. And then there's a further note that says that it's from Abigail Rebecca Makepeace Chaffee or Chafee. This is Michael Runt Makepeace's daughter, who apparently took her dad's notes when he died, added to them, and interviewed people. And so how, she how many layers one... in are we now, Paris? Like God. this is like the third or fourth layer in. Yeah. So there are four distinct humans that are responsible for this work, which is like all the more embarrassing for how like not great it is. I mean, you had four whole people involved, and it's still not good. <laughs> Maybe it gets better later because we should also uh, let everyone know that this is technically a three-part series, I guess, yeah, but yeah. we read the first part yeah, because so, that was long enough. Right, right. So what happened was, you know, Elisa told me about this book. I put it on a list and then, you know, put everything on Goodreads a little while ago. And it had um, Mazeppa the Wolfhound part one, part two, and part three as three separate books. So we were like, okay, obviously we're only going to read one of these and we'll read the first one. Um, But then we buy it and we discover that it's actually just one book. But because it was separated out into three, we just read the first part because as Chris pointed out, the part one was 200 pages. Um, Each part is 200 pages. So it would have been 600 pages. Um, I actually read halfway through the second book. And let me just say... It would take us uh, a whole week to talk about all the problems in that second section because it takes place uh, in the 1920s in the South and there's a whole lot of... uh... I got 10 pages into it before I put it down because uh, I'll just be up front and say that, okay, there's a lot of ex-slave characters, I believe, Mm -hmm. in there. Yep. And they all talk like how racist cartoons of black people talk. Yep. You know those? Yep. It's that. It's a whole lot of that. Yeah, and also I don't understand how there could be that many ex-slaves around because it was 1920-something, and I did the math, and like, even if you were born, you know, at the towards the tail end of when the Emancipation Proclamation was, like, enforced everywhere... I mean, you still would have been, <coughs> excuse me, you still would have been like 77 by the time the book happens. So I don't know. Anyway, we're not going to, we're not going to get further into that, but. um, We're not going to talk about that part no. anyway, because there was enough Ugh. craziness happening in the first book 
Yeah. Uh, uh, that focused on one woman, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, her name is Luki. Like, the end of Saluki. Which also yeah. sounds like a fake. There's a lot of fake sounding names that happen in this book. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the whole first book that we read... Um, you know, it's called Mazeppa the Wolfhound Part 1, but, uh, you don't meet Mazeppa in Part 1. Mazeppa nope. doesn't happen until halfway through Part 2, so I know that's the title, but doesn't have anything Sadly, to do with Sadly, we're not meeting Mazeppa in this podcast, no. guys, so, you know, uh, <laughs> abandon that dream. I'm sure you were all excited, but... Yes. Uh, so, we have Luki Galanzu, which apparently means the wise woman according to a sumerian dictionary by some university i forget i don't know it's some like rudimentary sumerian dictionary that uh i think phil i don't know some university in philly maybe put up or something um so the author like went on there and was like typed in like wise woman and then like slammed the words together but it's not really how language works, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking there. Uh, he spends a lot of time telling us about uh, ancient Sumer, um, Egypt. We end up in Tarsus and Rome, uh, all over. You're the skipping place. ahead past a whole lot of sections <laughs> here because, as you may, as you may, as people may have noted right there, that's a lot of different time periods yeah. happening right there. So. Let's maybe talk about why Luki could be in all those times. Yeah, yeah. So um, the book opens with Miss Luki Galanzu, which, as I'm saying, just sounds stupid. Uh, yep. <laughs> and yes. she is a wet nurse to the leader of some ancient Sumerian city. I don't remember the name of it. Um, Kengir? Kengir, yeah. She is the wet nurse to the king of Kengir, I believe. Um so, she, but she's from Eridu, maybe? I don't remember. She's from a different town, uh, but she's the wet nurse, and she's, like, in love with Alum, Alulim, who I think is the king, right? Or, yes, yeah. yeah, he's the king. She's in love with the king, uh, but nothing ever comes of that. Uh, she just kind of loves him from afar. She seems to believe that he loves her, too, but fucking, I don't fucking think so, lady. I'm pretty sure that you have no evidence to support that, so... Anyway, um, one day, she's out taking a stroll. No, she one day she's, a, out, she's out having her period by the river. Oh, yeah, no, because... it's very important that the author makes it makes sure that you know that she's out having her period by the river or whatever. I, I while was, that's happening. Ugh, anyway, she goes, yeah, she she's sit, taking a break from breastfeeding babies because that is literally her job as a wet nurse. And she's sitting by a tree, and she's like, oh, no, the the bleeding is happening, or whatever. <laughs> well, I don't... Hard. I she, she don't... Like fell asleep or something, yeah, and then I... woke up, and she's like, oh, it happened. I don't know why this is in the story. Honestly, it bothered me. Uh, anyway, she's like, well, gotta go deal with this by the river. So she walks down to the river, and she hears uh, a little dog crying. And she goes to rescue it, and she finds a puppy uh, sucking on the nipples of its dead mom because its mom had died like uh was killed by hunters and the dog was sucking the nipples so hard that it had actually started to eat the flesh of its dead mom you know i might <laughs> we might want to put some new content warnings in the beginning of this episode. it's fine uh, it's fine um so it's like really sad she's like oh and you know she's like i want to save this puppy so you know you know chris what do you what do you do as a as a woman who wants to save a puppy 
you let it suck on your boobs? Because that's the same thing. So, it's insinuated that Luki breastfeeds dogs? It's not insinuated. It is directly stated that she picks up the puppy, puts it under her robes, and lets it suckle on her breast, her human breast. A puppy is breastfeeding on a human, and as far as I know, that is not a thing. I mean, I, I guess you could... a problem that would happen there, right? Like... Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, you could try it, but I feel like the dog would get sick, right? Like... I mean, we can drink cow milk, right? So... Yeah, but cow milk... Eh... Yeah, I, but it was weird. I anyway. don't want to test like, it. I, you know, no, honestly, no, I, I, I kind of don't want to know if this works. I mean, I just, I read that sentence and I, I couldn't stop laughing for so long. I was just it's like this. Without hesitation, it's like, oh, baby needs milk. Well, that I'm a professional milk person. And not that kind, not the kind that I'm straight from the tap over here. Yeah, like, I don't <laughs> understand why this is the way that the story was crafted, because you very easily could have had her come upon the dog another way and just save it a different way. Like, I well, I don't understand. Paris, it's probably because, that you know, what happens next, it was probably a punishment for what she was doing. Uh, she immediately gets struck by a bolt of lightning, and now her and the dog are immortal. Yeah, that, yep. except yeah, except except the dog ages a little bit and then is immortal. But like the off-screen somewhere because she is frozen. She is frozen in time at the age she was at the time of the lightning strike, but the dog is not a 2-day-old puppy forever. Question mark. We don't know why. You know, Again. the gods were up there just kind of winging it. They just saw some weird <laughs> shit happen. They're like, whoa, lady, what are you? Okay, we got to get rid of this lady. And whoa, they just lady, stop breastfeeding dogs. We can fix this, all right? Just <laughs> yeah. fucking pray by the river. You don't got to breastfeed the dog. And then <laughs> they accidentally threw the immortality lightning bolt instead of the murder lightning bolt. Yes, like, that is what happened. Know. Oh, I love that scene because um, it's described really poorly as a... You know, this, oh, this scary storm, and everyone, everyone's so scared, and they're so scared that they hide underneath the cows. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that part. What? Which, they had roofs and shit, right? There was a city. Like. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, Sumer, and, like, Ur, um, all, uh, you know, the other, like, Ur, uh, Eridu, all those other, Kengir, all those other cities in Sumer, like, we're talking about, like, the one of the seats of civilization like where humanity really blossomed you know these people were yeah these probably were... one of the first bright ideas was hey we should put a roof over our heads for when it's raining yeah and and it was just like crazy that they're describing the storm as though everyone was uh i don't know didn't didn't know what to do it's like yeah like it's just a storm no, dude they've seen lightning the sumerian, before those were the sumerian luddites who are like I don't need no fucking roof. What are you people living all soft out here? If it's raining, just hire to the cow. You get free milk from there anyway. Which which just made me think. Uh, which just made me think of if you've ever watched um, Monster Factory Polygon. Uh, thing. Yes, I have many times. Yep, there is an episode where they make. Uh, I think they're playing Dragon's Dogma, and they make this huge like. Um, sort of ogreish lady and they make her son pan pan and there is a part where oh, i remember that one where pan pan can climb on the cow and they because of just the way that the environment and objects in the game are formatted like for some reason the game recognizes that a cow is something you can climb on like a spider 
And so Pan Pan is just like rotating on the cow, and that is all I thought about. Quick, get under the cows. Um, and, and his other suggestion is that people sought cover underneath the bellies of the pack animals. And they also dug holes to hide in, like, wild animals. And I was like, bro, it would take so long to dig a <laughs> hole big enough for yourself. Like, the and storm would be over. And everything while you're trying to dig, so. <laughs> yeah, I just, what? Um, also, the, the way, we haven't touched upon this yet, but the writing isn't the worst thing I've ever read, but it's really boring. Um, it seems a little stilted. People don't really talk like people a lot of the time. It's a similar... It's something that we've seen before. Um, it's it's a little better written than some other stuff we've read. Like, it's better than the Dog Cop book. Like, this is a tier sure, up. yeah. This is like a tier yeah. up from Dog Cop book. It's very far up its own butt, though. Oh, yeah. It's yep. so far up its own butt that it, it came out the mouth again and then went back up <laughs> its own butt again. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we can talk about how the... Uh, I'm just going to say author because... <laughs> Who knows? When we say, okay, when we say author, we're talking about Ray Domkovitz. I, if I'm talking about something that um, Michael Makepeace says, I will specify. Because uh, he does make an appearance a couple of times. And he we'll, interjects we'll, a yeah, little bit. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Um, but yeah, the, the author is really up his own butt about Saluki's being just the best dog ever magical mystical um i'm trying to remember some of the shit that he said uh it was blood of royalty oh yeah the seats of civilization um he's like he's like they can get all four legs off the ground when they run because they have a double (laughs) suspension gait and my response to that is just google images of dogs running and you will see plenty of other dogs that are fake news paris that's all fake photoshop dogs (laughs) only salukis (laughs) can physically get all four paws off the ground. Every other dog has to always be balancing on one paw at least at a time. Yeah, not to mention, like I was saying, there are all these sight hounds that are very similar to Saluki's that honestly, they all look and behave so similarly that I feel like, I mean, they're all, they were all crossbred with each other at one point. I mean, pharaoh hounds are called pharaoh hounds because they were, <laughs> they were also like the Saluki dogs of egyptian royalty and dogs of egypt and it's really weird that this author gets all hung up on salukis and doesn't talk about any of the other types of sight hound like he's acting like this one is literally magical and we will talk about that later um i mean he's like there's also a lot more up the buttness about like morality and philosophizing about immortality yeah Mm-hmm. That's more of the book than the Saluki stuff. Yeah, the dogs, it's like real heavy on dog stuff up front, like in the forward and at the beginning. And then it's just about this immortal lady and religion. Like they just drop the dog stuff for the most part. Um, the immortal dog like hangs around her and stuff when she gets sad because boy does Luki get sad a lot and for a long time. Yeah, hey, I mean, so uh, when the lightning struck Luki and Nana, um, which that was the was that the dog's original name, Nana? No, it it was like Kien Gear. It's like sounded like the city name, but was spelled with a slightly yeah, different combination of vowels. That's true. That's true. It was it was a different but. Throughout Kunigir. It was Kunigir. Kunigir, right. And I remember thinking it, it sounded like Kunigal, which is from that other good book that we read. Anyway. Um, so she only calls the dog Kunigir like once. And then the yeah. whole rest of the book, 
and inexplicably the dog is just called nana so when nana and luki were hit with a lightning bolt uh not only were they granted immortality they were also granted telepathic communication um just just between each other and then I, well they, at least for the two of them right yeah it well it gets <laughs> my other issue is <laughs> my other issue with this book is that um Luki just like sprouts powers randomly throughout the book like she just keeps getting more and more powerful and able to do more and more ridiculous shit even though that's there's what no happens. reason for that that's what, no no there's a reason Paris when you get really sad and you stay in a cave for a thousand years you get a bonus superpower that's actually how that's that's <laughs> supposed to work it's like a video game like she got enough fucking experience points to get new powers yeah um, she was just you know if you stay in a cave for a thousand years you get a bonus extra you get another slot to, to pick a skill from <laughs> that's funny um yeah i i mean so at first it's just she and nana have this telepathic connection and i guess nana was also given a higher level of sentience when she was hit with the lightning bolt uh because she and uh luki have you know pretty i don't know conversations that you can't really just have at a dog right um and <laughs> um it's I, a lot of like, oh, I'm devoted to you. You're my favorite companion. You're the I'll love of my you. life. Yeah. yeah, there's this whole like, oh, they have this very pure love, the dog and the lady. But it's not like, despite being 200 pages, I didn't feel like a whole, there was not a whole lot of depth in this story. It was like you said, it was very much like she lives here for a while and then like once she's like oh shit i guess i'm immortal i'm not aging she's like well guess i gotta move somewhere else and change my name and like pretend i'm someone different and that just keeps happening over and over again and like chris was saying sometimes she gets depressed and goes into a cave for a thousand years then she comes out and like uh merges into another civilization literal thousands of years she will spend in the cave and this happens in the space of a paragraph or perhaps a sentence it's like, and then Luki was in the cave with Nana for hundreds to thousands of years, being sad about being immortal, which sounds like not the way to deal with being sad about being immortal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, again, not that interesting. Um, I'm trying to remember what else really happens other than her just changing her name. I mean, her name is Luki, but she goes by like four other names in the book. I don't care. I It doesn't matter. Also, you learn quickly that she can kind of read other people. She can read other people's thoughts, soak in the dog, and... But only, like, surface thoughts. Only their active surface thoughts, right. She can, they can read thoughts, and then you also find out that she can, like, cloak herself so that people forget her. So, like, if you can do that... Why you gotta change towns? Why you gotta change your appearance? Yeah, you can that, just that, make okay. people forget you with your will. Like, it th- this book doesn't make doesn't have to exist. Later on, there's a part where it acts like she casts a literal, like, D&D spell. Because it's like, and then she casts the Veil of Unseeing. Yes, which is in yes, the Veil and everything. of Unseeing. So I was like, is this not, like, a level three wizard spell or something? Yeah, dude. This is just, a, this is just D&D. But, like, shitty. I don't under... I would have totally been on board for, like, a mortal dog lady adventure story, but all the adventures that happen are pretty much like, oh, Luki, she was a dog breeder in Egypt for a while, and then she got sad, and then she was a dog breeder slash nurse in Rome for a while, and then she got sad and went away, and then she was a dog breeder slash nurse slash medicine lady in America for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she just kind of, like, meets some people through history and moves around and breeds dogs sometimes. 
you know, poor Nana. Nana is a good girl. And what does Nana get, Chris? What happens to Nana throughout this book? She basically will get pimped out whenever Luki's feeling good about herself to make, like, more dogs that she gifts to, like, her friends in her various lifetimes. Yep. Which creates various, like, I guess offshoots of this one dog with the mega ancient womb that gets pimped out across the fucking time yeah yeah honestly sounds like a lot of other crazy crazy dog people i know who are way more invested in making themselves feel good and having animals to quote-unquote care for but they really just don't do a good job caring for them for example by constantly breeding them to get puppies so they can sell them for money or just to feel like people need them to make puppies i don't know how many times do you think like over okay so this book takes place over the course of seven thousand five hundred years is apparently the length of life that luki and nana have existed for right and how many times like do you think nana's like down for it whenever Luki decides to do this well here's the thing here's the thing like I fucking hope so because they have a mind meld, right? Like, yes. you would hope that the dog is like, "Hey, man, I'm uh feeling like I'm ready to make some puppies," and Luki's like, "All right, <laughs> sick. Let's get you. Let's get you a sire. Like, it's I got been you." Five hundred years since my. <laughs> okay, all right, but like, all right, we got to talk about this briefly. So, we are made to believe that Luki is not having any romantic or sexual relationships with anyone. For 7,500 years. I call fucking bullshit on that. (laughs) Especially, especially when the text constantly references this one time, one of her fucking depressions when she went to a cave, a bunch of these like, these like 50 mystics or whatever, like came to her cave, the magi. Yeah. And she keeps them in there for their entire lifetimes. And then (laughs) she talks about it. Um, a bunch more times throughout the book and it's just like oh my favorite times with the magi i think about them often they were my favorites i really like the time i spent with them and i was like yo you were just having orgies with those <laughs> dudes in that cave like you can't no, tell they me were learning she was passing her knowledge on to them oh yeah they learned a lot <laughs> lot I, I... They, they, by the way they come out later and they forget about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, cool, how do we get all these scrolls? I don't know. And they're like, how do we get so old? I don't know. Like, everyone's just whatever is everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just don't, like, it's not, a, I know that, so in the first part of the book, you don't know this. But as it goes on, uh, about halfway through or something, you realize that it's about to become a screed about being Christian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because, like, what basically when Rome hit... Okay, she's been in a cave on one of her depression things, and then that's the whole time that Jesus was around. And then she comes out and she starts hearing about this guy, and she wants to know more about him. I was like, why didn't you just make the story so she was out there when Jesus was there? No, no, no. Right? I think... No, 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 she was, but she was in Tarsus. She was studying at a Roman university. Be, she was being, like, no, some... No, Paris. Tarsus is way after Jesus. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, well, you're the, meets... Okay, you're the one who went to Catholic school for, like, 15 years, so I'll default to This is to the you. part where she meets Paul, right? Yeah, Paul Saul. Okay, Paul is way the heck after Jesus. Um... He's, like, hundreds of years later. Oh, that's right. I forgot that that's one of the reasons the Bible is bullshit, is because it's none of it is written, like, at the place or time that any of it is happening. Yeah, some of the gospel, right. I think the closest one was, like, supposedly maybe, like, 50 to 80 years after 
But St. Paul is the one responsible for all the... the Everything after the Gospels is mostly letters from St. Paul of Tarsus, who, by the way, basically is the shitty parts of the New Testament that people always point to to justify some of their shitty-ass beliefs about oh, all the people, really? let's say. Uh-oh. Because think of it this way. Paul, before he was converted to Christian, was Saul. And he was basically a guy that went around uh, persecuting heathenist Jews and murdering them for it. And then all of a sudden he sees a bright light one day. And now he's converted to Christianity and basically spends the rest of his life writing letters to people saying how they're heathens and should change their ways. Oh, and, th- and this ends up being like one of her friends. Sick. Yeah, right. it, it, that's her buddy later on. But anyway, that... The, he she, gets beheaded happens. pretty quickly, is, is yeah. all I have to say. Like, yeah. he's in the book for, like, a hot second. He gets beheaded. And, and hilariously, Luki is like, oh, no, my friend's about to get beheaded. Too bad. See you later. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> just, like you know, runs. Another she... one of those humans just dying in front of me. One of my friends just yeah. has to go. She's uh, like, Luki, can't you save me? I, I notice you haven't been aging. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um... But, yeah, again, like, why... It, why not just have her out of the depression cave when Jesus is there? Wouldn't that be much more interesting than coming out like 500 years later? Are you afraid that like you would have to write into your story that Jesus didn't really do all that stuff? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. No, nah, like, I mean, this, I don't know. And then um, after she abandons Paul and lets him be beheaded, <laughs> Paul and a bunch of other people, she le- like she knows there's going to be like a a jewish and christian genocide basically and it's just like oh i'm getting the fuck out of here peace like, and yeah, like doesn't it. save anyone except for her two servants right oh like, yeah her two handmaidens yeah. that like die horribly later anyway <laughs> yeah all because of her bullshit because because like her two handmaidens or one of them dies because lukey is like okay time for me to split i'm like getting too old to be not aging anymore so, like, gotta get out of here with my servants. But again, we've already established that this is unnecessary since she can, like, cloak herself and make people forget her. But anyway, she's still gonna create a miraculous diversion. So sometimes uh, she just... What does she usually do? I, I feel like most of the time she just leaves and disappears. She literally just walks away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this time she's like, no, no, no. I'm gonna fake my death. Sick. All right. All right, I'm going to... So she sets up, like, this, like, rude Goldberg machine to start a fire in her house. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> leave a corpse or something. It's like, where'd yeah, you get the fucking she corpse? She stole a corpse? <laughs> she stole a corpse uh, to stand in for her body. Sets up this, like, crazy... I don't know, crazy chain of events to uh, set a fire in her house. And she tells one servant, like, all right, just leave and meet me at the meeting point. At this meeting point, I'll explain later. And that servant is like, "All right, I, I, Captain, you got it." And like, she leaves, no problem. The other one though was like out fucking her boyfriend and got stuck in the fire and burned to death. Yes. <laughs> I, just, I what? And and also these people are literally just names on a page. There's no character. Yeah, that development. character was in the. It was She was in the book for, like, maybe 15, 20 pages, and then she just burns to death for <laughs> daring to fuck her boyfriend yeah. while Rome was burning or something. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, was this Tarsus? Or was I, it somewhere I, else? I, You know what? I don't it, remember. Uh, much like Luki, it all blurs together. <laughs> I can't all these names and faces over thousands of years. Yep. And then uh, after that, uh, I don't know, she ends up in... I don't know, she meets... Brendan the Navigator, who is an Irish saint, he's in there for a second. Oh, no, wait, I forgot. No, next, after this, there's like a 
uh, fade to black and then we the sun comes up uh, 2,000 years later or something and she's friends with Augustine. Oh, yeah. You might know more <laughs> about than I do. Uh, yeah, St. Augustine, very famous Christian like priest philosopher. Uh, Who apparently lives of... on his own island. Yeah, he did. That I'm pretty sure that that's true. I, I wasn't paying attention much, much of this part of the theology history course, but, you know, very well regarded as one of the preeminent writers of Christian morality slash theology ever, period, end of story. Mm. And, of course, Lukey was a good buddy to him so that they could go on for 40 or 50 pages about why does does God exist and does he love you? And then... It really starts reading, like, the later New Testament part of the Bible, like, so closely that I'm pretty sure that most of the authorship of this book was like, how close can I make this sound like a scripture? Oh, boy. I mean... Yeah, and I, re- I remember during the Augustine part when she's on his island, it it opens on, like, a brand new chapter, and it, the first line is something like, and then Lukey was on the boat going to visit her very best friend, Augustine, and I was like, who? <laughs> what? Like, it just doesn't establish any of this. It just, boop, drops you there with, like, no context, and I was like, what the fuck? And then they, I don't know, she's, like, on the island with him, and then... He's so special to her that she finds Nana a, a good dog dad and they have some dog sex and they produce a <laughs> little man. Was that his name? Yeah, little, little man. Little, <laughs> Augustine's dog, little man. Little man. You know, that Saluki that Augustine had definitely really in history. Um and, like, there are points where I'm like, oh, man, like, Lukey's gonna, she's gonna finally get some. She's gonna go <laughs> down with Augustine because there's this moment 3, where she... 3,000 years of virgin and yeah, finally Yeah, where she, she lays down on his lap and nothing happens. I'm like, lady, you gotta get laid. You're <laughs> Paris, so is this the first old. time? Is this the first time you've been begging for a romance plot in a book? <laughs> Well, I'm begging for some realism here because it's not realistic to have a human alive for thousands of years not fucking anything else. I just there's But totally no... down with pimping out her immortal dog companion as many times as she Yeah, like it would be one thing if they established that she was asexual or something, but it says right at the beginning that she had a husband, but he like died or something and her kids died too somehow. And then when she was employed by Alulim, she fell in love with Alulim, but he was a king and nothing ever happened with that and now it's thousands of years later and there's just been nothing in this lady's life the whole time like i just don't buy it it's i forgot realistic. about her husband and kids for so much because later on she because talks it's about like, like half a second no but later on when she talks about like oh i could finally die maybe and, and meet alulim and yoser up in he- in saluki heaven or something so she completely <laughs> forgets about her husband and kids i guess oh, yeah, even though she's shit. been loyal to them for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. She, she was in love with that king. She's getting that king dick in the afterlife, Chris. That has been her end goal. Um, but she won't actually, you know, she'll just wait for it to happen naturally. She's she's not going to cheat to get the king dick. No, and I, I just think it's funny that and the, there's like one passage where she talks about how she loves Alulim. And she's like, you know, he never said anything to me, but I could just, I could just tell by the way that he like never took me to his bed and how he looked at me. And I was like, those sound like the opposite of... Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's literally a line where you mentioned like, oh, he could take anyone he wanted because he's the king and that's how it works, but he never did it to me. 
I, I get what she's saying. She's like, oh, he respected me too much to, you know, to put me in his harem. But, like, lady, you're really just guessing. Like, you have, there is no concrete evidence that this dude you have pledged yourself to for thousands of years even likes you like that. Like, this is not a good idea. That poor first husband, though. That oh, poor I first know. husband's been waiting in, dude, like, a world, whatever afterlife name. there is. Do we even know his name? No, oh, never. First husband, R.I.P. R.I.P. first husband. <laughs> He's still up there in heaven like 7,000 years later just going like, yep, only me. Just It's always only been me. <laughs> he's just so pissed. He's, he's like in heaven watching heaven TV, like watching Earth TV. And he's just watching her do all the shit. And he's like, that fucking bitch. Oh, oh you're leaving the depression cave again? Oh, dude, this is so boring. You're just sitting there like eating random plants with the dog. Oh. It was one time you had all the dudes in there with you. That was fun, but <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, come on, more orgies. What am I paying for here? Jeez. Um, yeah, the I, ultimate I... afterlife cuckold porn. <laughs> oh god. Ugh. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta. We're gonna have to slice in some uh, new content warnings at the beginning of this episode. Now, I, you know, I think people know by now. If we're talking about the content warnings of the book, our own content warnings. That's. You're rolling the dice there. <laughs> That's very true. Barnyard language all the time. 24-7. Uh-huh. Always, always in effect. Oh my god. I just looked at my notes. What did you see? <laughs> Was it Saluki Heaven, Paris? Because that's no. what I wanted to talk about. No, it's, it's Teppy. Oh, Teppy. Yeah. <laughs> How can we forget about Teppy? Hey, everyone. Do you know who Teppy might be? Just think back to history. Who what could... famous thing? Oh, why? It, it's the, the vizier to the pharaoh, Imhotep. <laughs> the pharaoh so... Yoser is like, yo, Teppy, what's up? <laughs> I mean, that fucking killed me. It I did. I was... He's oh. literally like, oh, Teppy, you're always tepping it up <laughs> Teppy, my man! Like, I don't think that... Bury me with none of my gold. Give it all to... Like... The Luki. I mean, is there some evidence out there that Imhotep was Teppy to his friend? I don't think so. I I don't even know if that's how that name was pronounced in ancient Egyptian. Probably not. I... While we're on stupid stuff, I want to mention that Saluki Heaven is mentioned as a definite concept in this book and there's like a rainbow bridge to it or something which sounds like isn't that asgard like yeah i mean i've i've seen a lot of people with dogs and cats and stuff talk about when their animals die like going over the rainbow bridge and yeah all i think of is norse mythology but i guess it's like a different thing uh there was some note in the book saying that it was some like anonymous story that someone wrote about a dog dying and going over a rainbow bridge and I was like I think you people are just stealing from Norse mythology and not realizing it. I mean there's also I another thing I found out about was I guess rainbow babies are a thing and I guess that's what some people were like call miscarriages and I was like I don't understand mm. any of this so All right. Rainbow I was just also curious bridge. if Saluki Heaven was completely separate from the rest of Dog Heaven. Yeah, you see, well, when you're going into Heaven, there's like this little doggy door, and that's Saluki <laughs> Heaven. It's in the lower right. 
Uh, I guess I guess fuck every other dog, right? Like is, only is Saluki. There a separate dachshund heaven with all winter dogs? No, fuck you. Your dog isn't graceful and made for the pharaohs, Chris. Oh, sorry. What about like a, all pug heaven or like all English terrier heaven that's just really loud and snorty all? No, all it's only Saluki's because Saluki's are the most perfect dog <laughs> created by nature and untouched by humans. Things that this man actually Except says that one book. time where the uh, progenitor of all uh, Salukis sucked a lady's boob. Yeah, also, right? except for all of the time. Like, at the beginning of the book, he, he says, like, you know, I really hope humans don't ruin the breed. And I'm like, dude, humans have been curating the breed since its inception. I mean, that's how you get a a breed is because humans <laughs> just force the, the, the same dogs to interbreed. And, like, I... I in uh, he the author has this issue where he's like Salukis are created by nature and they're perfect and like I, I don't know he doesn't really seem to understand that humans are directly involved in their breeding even even in his own book because Luki is a dog breeder at in many many like iterations of her immortal life she's a dog breeder of Salukis so like across the millennium dog pimp I, I yeah she really is um yeah it does Ugh, anyway <laughs> I just found another note that I came across at one point if the the Nana and Luki are looking at each other and this is the phrase that he decided to use she looked toward mother and smiled doggy style oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, and then actually, we're kind of we're kind of flopping back and forth in time here. But whatever, fuck this book. I don't care. We're we've um, become unstuck in time. Like yeah, Billy I, Pilgrim. Yep. Um. So back in Egypt, you know, with Tepi, Tepi and Repi, the dynamic duo. <laughs> I forget who Repi was, but Repi and Tepi was no. The that's Luki's name in Egypt is like Repeshnet. Oh fuck, Rep, fuck, fuck Repeshnet or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Um. And then they they're talking about how she's she's this uh yeah she she became like Rapeshnet, the the Egyptian dog breeder to the Pharaoh Djoser. and they're talking about how like some of the dogs that she bred for the Pharaoh had like these titles like one one of the dogs was Baron the Wise and the other one was Dolmi the Far Sighted and I was like do dogs really need fucking titles like this <laughs> like is that a thing. Um, must have been the, good boys and girls. Well, yeah, well, apparently, well, you see, Joser loved them so much, he allowed them to judge, uh, to make political decisions for him. Uh, there oh, was, yeah, that's yeah, that's I, 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 I forgot. Man, no, like, there was this, I don't know, some shit went down, and he basically had the dogs. He was dogs. about to die. He was about to die, and he was, like, gonna divide up his yeah, possessions. Yeah. And he was like, all right, whichever dude the dogs like more is who gets, like, all of my shit. And my note was, oh boy, trusting political decisions in your estate management to dogs seems like a real terrible idea, especially yeah, for Yeah, because if, if the dog snapped at the people, he yeah. would kill them. He, he would them murder killed. them. Yeah. They would be put to death. <laughs> I There was a couple parts where, he, like, the, the pharaoh's talking about, like, you know, giving slaves their justice and stuff, and I just kept thinking about like a, a Nile song getting louder and louder. I was gonna louder. say I left Wicked Hard all your. So there, it, for those of you who aren't into heavy metal, there is a very famous, popular heavy metal band called Nile, and all of their songs are about ancient Egyptian shit. And um, usually <laughs> some form of ancient Egyptian torture. Whenever there was an especially like Egyptian ass line, Chris <laughs> had notes that was like Nile intensifies, Nile at full volume. Like yeah. there's one that says to the pretenders who falsely claim their obedience to the gods of Egypt and Pharaoh, I command thee. And it was like Nile. That's at... straight up a Nile line. <laughs> I know. Like, 
I uh, I was really glad that you left those because it was oh um these last captured chained and dragged back to be judged by Pharaoh. <laughs> Come on, no. sick lyrics, bro. Black seeds of vengeance. Um, fucking lash to the slave stick over here. Yeah. Ooh, black dogs of vengeance. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> black dogs of vengeance. Okay. Paris, do you want to talk about like the real twist behind this book now? Like when we get jump back into the Runt's point of view, shall we say? Oh God! I mean, there's so many fucking things in this book. Like this, it's one of these. It's one of the books. It's one of those books where there are so many tiny little things that are fucked up that we're not going to reach all of them. So you know what? Go ahead. There's the the thing that like kind of blew the lid off this whole thing for me, and that made me like, wait, what the fuck? So apparently, uh, Runt, Michael Runt, make peace, Brigadier General, yada yada, or what have you, Mother of Dragons, Breaker of Chains. Yeah, right, uh, right. He, he had all, these are all stories relayed to him by his mother and father. And where did they get it? Why, from Lukey. So, yeah, there's some yeah, lady. Yeah, everyone, everyone think about that for a second. There is some lady that talked to this dude's parents and claimed to be an immortal woman dog breeder from Sumer. And then those parents believed it and told Michael about that. And that's why he really likes Salukis. Um, yeah. So everyone think about this for a moment. Remember at the Someone's top? Someone's running a scam here, yeah, right? Yeah. Back? Remember at the top of the show when I was like, the summary has a lot of things wrong with it, and one of those things is that it says it's, like, a fiction and a fantasy. No. This fucking dude, like, Makepeace and his daughter and I maybe also the guy who is the author, they all really believe that this shit is real and happened. Like, there apparently are notes and interviews because the daughter did a bunch of interviews with people after her dad died, and yet, apparently, Michael Makepeace's parents, Rebecca and Jonathan Makepeace, knew Lukey. And Lukey is the one that gave them their puppy, Mazeppa, the title dog. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I um, I actually did read half the second book, like I said. And I did read um, the scene where they meet Lukey and get Mazeppa. And I mean, unless she comes back later, like, they're in her house for an hour or two. (laughs) So I don't know where, I don't, I don't understand how there's this, like, weird family secret about an immortal dog breeding lady and immortal dogs. If they were only in the lady's house for two hours, like, I... But, but like, there has to be some kind of weird scam happening here. Because to me, listen... The last name Makepeace sounds like a last name you'd get if you were a member of a cult of some kind. Uh, yeah. And an yeah, immortal it's, it's dog a, lady who name. claims to be from 7,000 years ago sounds like a cult leader to me. So, I, I, you know, I don't have much to go by here, aside from my gut, but I feel like maybe this dude's parents were involved in some kind of weird hippie cult commune thing that was revolved around Salukis and this one lady maybe claiming no, to be immortal? I mean, it seems like that, but from what I read of the... Se- and again, you don't get any of this in the first book. Um, in the second book, nah, I mean, it didn't seem like that at all. I, I don't... I don't understand. Like, a way... You know what would have been way more interesting? If we just had 
all of the crazy scribbled notes and interviews and it would have been like house of leaves where we had to like piece together this fucking crazy yeah, ass that, mystery that like, would be way cool that would have been way better than someone taking all that stuff sanitizing it and adding more because de- basically what happened was i think from what i can garner is that michael Makepeace um heard all these stories from his parents wrote them all down um, he died. His daughter kind of carried on, interviewed people, made more notes. They gave it to uh, Ray here. And Ray added the whole first part of the book to flesh out presumably Lukey's backstory. So, like, I think that the parents met Lukey, thought she was, like, a cool lady. And then it somehow turned into... No, 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 she's really immortal. <laughs> and, like, also... Well, I mean, she was wearing white robes and she let the dog suck on her, her boob personally, so seems like a cool lady to me. Well, that's the thing. I don't think that that was in the notes. I think that that was just <laughs> improvised. Because um, there's even part of the book that says, like, you know, I had to make the first part... I had to really fill in a lot of stuff in the first part, so it's a lot less Oh, detailed. you didn't have a fucking primary source, right? From fucking <laughs> yeah. Sumer? Well, at the beginning, he says that he has Sumerian friends, which I thought was bizarre, uh, because Sumer hasn't been a country for a really long time. Is he, like, trying to say, like, he has some, like, Middle Eastern friends? I in a guess. Really shitty way? I think he's trying to say that he has friends that trace their ancestry back to Sumer, but, like... How do you really I know? don't know... Well, you see, my great-grandpappy Teppy, way back in the... <laughs> you see, he had this best friend, Reppy. Reppy and Teppy, they'd go around, all, they'd do all their chariot racing and their dog breeding together. Oh, they were the best. You Sometimes even... they would race dog breeding. Yeah, you can... <laughs> you can even see them on the tombs together. See, that's Reppy. That... Anyway. Yeah, this, this guy is... The fucking author is so obsessed with talking about how, man, you can see Salukis in the tombs. Like, they were... They were mummified with the pharaohs, and they were carved on the tomb walls. Like, dude, a lot of animals were. Cats were mummified. Other types of dogs were mummified. Like, there are plenty of animals. Like, crocodiles are shown on tomb walls. Like, I, he just doesn't... He just How wants... dare you disrespect the immortal Ur-alligator that gave birth <laughs> to all other alligators? Yeah, seriously. It, um... Actually, all alligators are immortal. Did you know that? Because, you know, they're from that time anyway, right? So... Ugh. Yeah, I mean, this this book also has some weird race stuff going on. Um, it's definitely a lot worse in book two, but in book one here, there's some there's some stuff here and there that make me go, yep, wish that. Like how the Native Americans are treated? <laughs> oh, yeah, how... Well, it's weird, right? Because Luki is from Sumer. She's not... <sighs> she shouldn't be a white savior, but she is treated that way they, it, he specifically says that she has lighter skin and like dark eyes and hair but lighter skin and that she has to specifically darken her skin she basically has to do blackface to fit in with the natives in america which is another just like fucking stupid ridiculous thing that doesn't need to happen like and all the native american characters have like really shitty like tribe names like big tree and <sighs> laughing man and Red Cherry, the lady that puts paint on her lips. Yeah, I mean, like, the the Lenape are a legitimate native group. Uh, they are also known as the Delaware, um, you know, 
so from about Delaware north, uh, you know, northeastern uh, native people. I mean, they, you know, they're real. I, I don't, those names also did come off to me as being kind of stereotypical. Um, and there were also some moments where the natives were supposedly singing or chanting and it, that stuff is not Lenape. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, like, remember uh, how I said before, uh, like, how a racist, yeah, yeah, like, Like, how a racist black people cartoon sounds, this was, like, how a racist against Native American people cartoon sounds. Yeah, like, have you ever seen Peter Pan? Yeah. Yeah, that, pretty much. That's how it felt, um, and she, like, that's right, I mentioned earlier how Luki, at first, is just immortal and can is mentally connected with the dog. And then it's like, oh, me and the dog can read people's surface thoughts. And then it becomes, oh, I can cloak myself so people will have to forget me. And then it becomes, oh, I can talk to all animals. And then it's like, oh, I can create mirages. Oh, just kidding. I can create whole different environments from what's around me to the point where I can create a whole world of summer during the winter on a mountain. And I can create, it's like, she just keeps getting these powers and there's just no rhyme or reason to it. And, I don't know. I think it is to reward her for taking steps towards Christianity and sainthood, which is kind of what it seems like this book is going for. Because um, she she gets, like, real powerful when she's very Christian. Yeah, the more Christian she gets, and the more she's like, there's only one God, the more power she ends up having. Yeah, which is another, like, weird undertone. But yeah, it's, it's at the point, like, by the time she's in America, like, first of all, she, I don't know, she, like, for like a hot second meets up with Brendan the 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 navigator he's a saint catholic saint is an irish saint and she meets up with him and then like but i don't even know why because brendan didn't come to uh, the americas so like i don't understand it was like she says like hey sup brendan you're going to get on a ship she's like cool me too and then she just goes to um the United, you know, what later becomes America and the United States. And she just stalks the native people for like question mark hundreds of years. And she learns their language. And like I said, you know, basically does blackface uh, to look like them. Like it says that she has to darken her skin, uh, which is just, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is just a very poorly thought out endeavor. I, why were we talking? We forgot to mention one thing about why she decided like, oh, Christianity is the right way. It seemed to hinge on the fact that, oh, this is the only god I've ever heard of that sent himself down to be sacrificed for his people, which is not true. Uh, yeah, hey, also, yeah, like, have you ever heard of Odin? Have you ever heard of maybe, I don't know, thousands of other gods who have sacrificed themselves for the good of humanity? It's not. Yeah, that's not just him. In fact, a lot of the Jesus story was compiled from many different various pagan ideas and other sources. Yeah, uh, what was the, what was that, was it Mithras? Was Mithras, the cult of Mithras? Yeah. The thing that was, like, right before Jesus sort of overlapped and they kind of yep, took that, a bunch of shit from def- that? it was Mithras. Yeah, I mean, and, and so, and then, so it's that piece of information, so she, despite living for thousands of years and having experienced tons of religions in the Middle East, uh, you know, Europe and America, she doesn't, like, if anyone would have the appropriate background to know that <laughs> yeah. that is not true, it would be her, and yet she yeah, still doesn't right? know. And uh, the other the other thing that convinces her is she's talking to, is it Paul or Augustine? And 
they're like oh yo you're so christian you got a cross burn on your head and she's oh, like yeah. what yeah so she had like this weird fit one night in front of a campfire and the you know a, a, like ember came out and hit her on the head and she has this you know little cross burn in her cross shaped burn in her head from that and uh <laughs> they're like oh that's totally a sign and she's like oh man you're right it must be <laughs> i I just don't. I, I could just. You're four thousand years old, and you're getting taken in by like the specious of our most specious of arguments. Yeah, there's like I don't know. There's a ton of other shit in this book that makes no sense. Like during one of her uh, cave depressions, she has her friends question mark servants question mark people in the town i don't know dismantle the ship that they sailed in and carry it up into the cave on top of a mountain piece by piece reassemble it and then live inside of it I that's something that happens they, they made a ship again or if they just made a different structure with the ship no 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 funny if they just made the ship again they but did. in a cave to live they, in they did because that's... this one lady was like you couldn't just get the other trees from around the mountain that is exactly what they did. They they rebuilt the ship inside the cave and lived inside of it. Okay. Yep. Sure. Um, and then whenever she is in her, like, cave depressions or whenever she's living in, like, her magical environment, she always has an army of dogs and wolves, and sometimes they're all wearing necklaces and silk coats. <laughs> you know, just... But they, she doesn't really ever use them. They're just, like, around to seem intimidating. To, like, whatever group of people stumbles upon her depression cave. Well, and, and then she's actually like, no, nah, I won't hurt you, but I still have a lot of wolves. Well, and my question is, like, where are all these wolves and Salukis coming from? Is she just constantly breeding dogs and wolves? I guess she must be. There's not, nothing much else to do when you're in your cave depression, I guess. But, she no, she, like, does it, like, after she's depressed. She'll be, like, depressed for 500 years, and then Nana's like, hey, can you cut it out? I, I really, you know, it's been a while. And then she's like, all right, let's go out and get you some boyfriends. I, that seems to be the cycle that she lives in for 7,500 years. Yeah, they, they also make a claim that um, somehow she gave humanity astronomy? I don't, well, no, she, like, copies, oh, it's when they, she was with the magi, magi or something, right? They, like, study the stars and make plates or something? Yeah, but she was, like, the keeper of the plates and gave it to people and had them disseminate it, so it was, like, she gave everyone the gift of astronomy. Uh, uh yeah, there's a lot of things where they're, they're trying to pile a whole lot of importance on this one lady who was, is not real. Or, or she fooled this dude's parents and was like, yeah, I totally made up astronomy. I just did that with my cave buddies for a hundred years. Yeah. I, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I I don't know. I yeah, don't... I met St. Augustine. Yeah, yeah, I put my head on his lap. Nothing was, happened, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does seem, again, the more interesting story here is the story behind this book. And why those, why Rebecca and Jonathan Makepeace thought that this lady was real and immortal, and that all this shit really happened. Oh, oh. Yeah, I made friends with Paul of Tarsus. He got beheaded, and I didn't help at all. Yeah, I just left him. Good luck. <laughs> oh, yeah, do you remember when... So, uh, after, like, the orgy cave was done or whatever, and she, like, sends the magi packing, um, she... <laughs> the book says, together they shared the drink of lasting farewell, in caps, like, 
capital D, L, and F, drink of lasting farewell. And I was, <laughs> well, enjoy the cyanide, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> like, I legitimately thought she was just killing them all. But yeah. apparently, apparently what really happened was she got them drunk and made sure that they were drunk riding camels down this huge ass mountain <laughs> with dogs also on these camels while they're following a dog guide. <laughs> that was that's, and that's when they come out of there like super and like they, they have the amnesia, so they're just coming off of a mountain like super cold with like a bunch of dogs on their camels and they're like, wait a minute, what the fuck happened? I just have so many questions that like what the fuck? I what? Okay, I get that. Okay, a dog can totally be a guide. Absolutely, like if a that's fine. Dogs can be trained to do that. But like having dogs riding camels with drunk dudes down a huge ma- snowy mountain, like I just you've never had a good uh, old drunk camel d- dog nav, Terrace? <laughs> no. And then and then like the the magi are like huh, weird that our camels are still young. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck, demigod? Why the fuck do you keep the camels young but not us? Because all the magi aged, but the camels didn't. Like, (laughs) Oh, yeah, the camels were just there the whole time in the orgy cave. That's a weird orgy. (laughs) You're trying to get it down with, like, all your bros in the cave with this one immortal dog lady, and then the the camel looks at you again. You lose it. It's it's all over. You gotta just stand in the corner and watch with the camel at that point. Yeah, like, you and the camel (laughs) gotta go have a drink together now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why'd you look at me, dude? I was next up. Oh, god damn it. Oh, well, that's fine. I mean, we're going to be here for another thousand years, right? It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we got plenty of time. You want to look at these astronomy plates, or do you want to look at what's the orgy? I mean, that's the only two things that are happening around here anymore. Yeah, like, why do they never leave the cave? I don't understand this, like, weird <laughs> cave prison. Like, it... yeah. It's like, she she presents as, like, benevolent, but she does, like, trap them in there. Yeah, she does. She does trap and kind of seduce that. She reminds me of Cersei, like like Greek mythology Cersei, you know? <sighs> anyway. Um, there, there are other... Like, I'm just gonna go down the list of, like, weird shit in this book. So, all of a sudden, she starts talking about how she was exiled by Djoser, the Egyptian king, uh, you know, that was around the same time as, like, Imhotep, that... Um, she, was a, she was a dog breeder for, and I was like... Uh, dude, you left willingly on a magnificent barge that he gifted you. You weren't fucking <laughs> exiled. And she says it like three times. And I was like, dude, you weren't exiled. You left willingly. Like, huge, magnificent a, barge. She's saying she has gift. to like cover or, or like her, her story or something. But like you totally, that's not a necessary lie to like fuck over Pharaoh Joser, who's like also looking at you in the afterlife along with Alulim or and your first husband going like, dude, she's selling us out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I'd love to see the the collection of men up in heaven watching Earth TV, like, watching all the Lukey shit going on, and they're all like, oh, wow, we're all idiots. There's, like, a Lukey watching room, and, like, you know, like, Augustine eventually, like, wanders in, finds him, and he sees, like, the five other dudes in there just, like, already, and they're like, yeah, come on, pull up a seat, just, you, you're gonna want to watch. <laughs> and then all at once, the, like, 50 Magi walk in, and everyone yeah. in the room is like, son of a, what the fuck? <laughs> God damn it, Luki. God damn it. 
Oh, wow. This is great. Oh, do we have 50 chairs? Oh, Jesus. I, how is this is heaven? How do we not have enough chairs? <laughs> we need a bigger TV. Oh, come on. Jesus, can you get us a bigger TV, please? Oh. Um, yeah. Th- th- and Jesus is actually super jealous that he never got to meet her because he had to die. <laughs> Jesus had to die, but Luki gets to live. Jesus is actually super mad about the oh, whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus is like... <laughs> What the fuck? This bitch gets 8,000 years on the earth and I get 33 years? What dad, is going what on? The fuck? fuck you, dad. And the dad's like, oh, come on, man. We all make mistakes. I grab the wrong lightning bolt, all right? <laughs> you know how they're the same color. They all look the same. Uh, <laughs> no, like, I'm just, again, I'm just going to go down my list. Um, you go. Very only, so, so. A whole lot of nothing happens in this book, right? There's, so there's never any tension. Uh, there's no. never, like, you never worry that anything bad is going to happen to Nana or to Luki because magical shit. But, you know, just just real real cash. Uh, real cash. She's like, yeah, you know, I've had to murder some people. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me? <laughs> like, just she, very she, like, casually. Like, yeah, sometimes to keep my secret, you just have to snap someone's <laughs> neck off and, yeah. like, dispose of their body. But yeah, that's she, just how it goes, being immortal. She goes, she goes oh, yeah, I just had to, like, I totally killed a village priest without compassion because he was gonna uh, sacrifice me on an altar as a demon. So, like, I killed him. And you you're just like, what, you do. what? And you're just like, okay, one, that's fine. But two, like, why didn't you write about that <laughs> in the story? I much, much would have preferred to read uh, her being persecuted as a demon and then having to come up with a way to kill the priest and get away with it. That would have been yeah, way cool, more interesting. Cool but immortal no. dog lady adventures. But no, it's only two sentences. And then you're yeah, like, we gotta read about cool. how depression is in the fucking cave for another thousand years instead. Also, that one time for like a hundred years, she was just like naked and raving and didn't speak at all. Oh, that's way later. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm also, I'm just so confused about how her magic and immortality works. Like I, you know, like she's like at one point in the book, she's already been alive for. I don't know, three or four thousand years at this point. And she's like, oh no, I have to leave this village quickly. And again, as I mentioned before, she has a cloaking ability to make people forget her. So doesn't really seem like she would need to move ever or even that often. Um, and two, don't you think if you did have to move villages a lot because you're immortal that you would kind of like have your system down after the first couple hundred years? Like, yeah, I, you know. <laughs> I feel like you would know... The upper, li- like, what you could push, you know, like... You know, probably... first I hit, you know, uh, uh, Northeast Asia, it's real cold up there. You know, you can hang out there for a while when you're depressed and sad. Then I'll take it back to Europe for a couple, fu- you know, hundred years, get some nice food over there, it's nice and temperate. Then you gotta hit Africa for a while. You can stick around there for a while, turn... <laughs> well, like this whole... uh, no, I just think that, you know, it's pretty simple. I don't know how old she was when she got struck by lightning and immortalized, but probably... T- in her 20s maybe because of course she's very beautiful naturally how could how could they ever make anyone not conventionally beautiful immortal how could they ever be the center of any story oh no yeah no there's no way so of course she is beautiful although thankfully we were spared any uh intricate details about her form i was glad of that that was it was a little bit upfront. like when she was doing like the period and like nursing the puppy stuff there was a lot of like her breastily breasting chat kind of thing happening. I mean, like I think first... I think all he was just like, oh, she was super beautiful or something. Uh, but 
oh fuck what was i oh yeah right i was gonna say you know sure if you're you know really attractive lady you can probably be like yeah i'm still 45 i just have great genes but then like as you're approaching 50 maybe like leave uh you know keep track of how long you're in a village i don't know you don't have to wait that long. You can just be like, oh, I gotta go uh, get some cigarettes, you guys. I'll be <laughs> back later. And then just move to the next other side of the continent because she has no issues just, like, walking down an entire continent shoreline. Yeah, I I don't know. And then at one point she's like, oh, I can just move to Rome. I know I've mastered many languages and I can read and write and speak in all of them. And I was like, yeah, but you don't know Latin. Like, cause at the at that time she was still in, oh, fuck, where the hell was she? I mean, obviously Latin wasn't the only language spoken in Rome. Rome was a very cosmopolitan uh, place. It is not as uh, a lot of people imagine uh, Rome and the Roman Empire to be very uh, white, which is weird because it was not. No, nope, definitely <laughs> um, not. It was not. Uh, as someone who studied classics for six years, I can tell you, it was not. Um, a lot of people have this idea in strangely uh it's very strange but because a lot of these statues from greek and roman times are white marble it's not because people were white it's because the paint fell off because they're yeah. old so <laughs> fyi um that is why have you seen the mock-ups of like what it looked like with paint they actually look kind of stupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah some some of them do look kind of cartoonish but they they were really the greeks and romans were very into like garish colorful shit um but yeah i mean people people were very mixed um people from that part of the world uh are not white blonde blue eyes like that's just not i mean you know it was it was mixed for sure some people um were lighter of skin hair and eye color but many people were olive skin black brown you know not the um not as european as everyone likes to imagine that was a random rant i had to go on but um (laughs) i just like to point that out because a lot of people don't realize it but there uh let's see on my list of weird shit the author makes a couple of claims that the dog Nana can outrun horses. Oh, yeah, you know. And can also run faster than any man in a sprint or marathon. And I just don't think that that's true. I think I mean, that... I mean, the, the man, sure. A dog can definitely outrun a dude. I think a dog can outrun a dude in a sprint. Um, Easily in a sprint. But a marathon? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I guess sight- prob- yeah, sighthounds were specifically um, bred to be able to hunt over difficult terrain for long periods, so maybe. But like, not a horse a though. Horse? Like, I don't know about that. That seemed a little specious. But I'm not a I'm not a horse expert, so I don't know. <laughs> there was, Any, there was anything a- else on your stupid list? Yeah, I mean, there are, um, so something that I thought about a lot as I was reading this book was the mind connection between Nana and Luki. So, I don't know if they can shut that shit off, but, like, I hope so, because Nana had a lot of dog sex over that 7,000 years, and I really hope that Luki wasn't, like, tuned in for all of that, because that's weird as hell. Yeah. Um, and it was something that I wondered about because it did seem like they would, they could intrude on each other's thoughts whenever they wanted to. Like it wasn't a, um, 
you you know like the this telepathy was not a was not a um what is what is that called when you need uh uh yeah like it wasn't a two-party consent state like it was only a one-party consent so like which yeah seems like it would be weird for a lot of things because i have a lot of thoughts in my head that do not need to go outside my head for any reason imagine that after seven thousand years of existing with the kind of thoughts you're having yep uh let's see there was another time where and you're also mind bonded to your immortal partner who's existed for seven thousand years and you can hear each other's thoughts also that immortal partner is a dog (laughs) yeah you know turns out for seven thousand years it's just hey treat treat my god you got a treat dude this would have been so much funnier if it was just like yeah, <laughs> like that's the like just seven thousand years of just like treats. Wh- wh- where's that milk phone? <laughs> treats. <laughs> squirrel, 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 squirrel. squirrel. <laughs> I love you. It's just, just like the stupid dog thoughts. Not, not yeah. like this, like ele- elevated dog. That would have been fucking hilarious. Yes. Um, there's some other shit. So when uh, Luki was living in Tarsus, when she was living in within the Roman Empire. She was attending a prestigious university and people, there was some guy who was like her, I don't know, her like main enemy or whatever. And, and her academic would, rival. Yeah. They would always argue during class and then she became wicked famous and he was mad about us. So he was like, she's immortal. He just like deducted <laughs> it. Evil somehow. Yeah. I have no idea how he figured it out. And then she convinces everyone at during this big speech at like their commencement, their like grad college graduation in ancient Rome, and, yeah, you know. and at the end da, of her speech, da, 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 da. and at the end of her speech, she slits her left forearm from wrist to elbow, yeah, as like the dramatic ending to her speech, and I was like, what? <laughs> and I, that proves her as not immortal because she doesn't die because she bleeds that was the whole thing it was like oh she showed them that she had blood so like she couldn't be immortal and i was like that makes no fucking sense like what (laughs) everyone knows immortals don't have blood (laughs) that's why vampires need it so much oh yeah i felt oh that's right this is this is also why she like faked her death and caused that like that fire and and, um i made a note because like i said i i thought she had set up some kind of like rude goldberg machine to create the fire but no you know what she did i made a note lol let me just leave this wicked dangerous task to my maid and save myself yeah she just had her maid she goes she goes look uh the rest of us are gonna leave can you just light the flame to my reading lamp by my bedside and then knock it over and then like run real fast and watch your skirts yeah (laughs) just watch them you know oh man and then at some point she's um she's worrying that she's going to end her final days in poverty and begging but she earlier talked about how she had lived as a as a poor person in a various different places to disguise her identity before so I'm like you're already like 4000 years old who can like why is this also, something you care about like I don't know if she really has to eat and you've already been in caves for thousands of years it's like what what are you begging for you know how to be fine yeah. without yeah, like the interest on those on those savings accounts she has at these banks across <laughs> in the ancient world i mean she's going to be incredibly wealthy I, um there's uh, more dumb notes 
She talks about how she gives the she feeds her dog goat's milk, dates, and wild grains, and I was like, "Can dogs even eat this?" I I mean, they can eat grains. They can eat some grains, but they can totally eat rice. They can, yeah, but I don't know about dates though and goat's milk. That doesn't sound like a thing a dog should have. I don't know. Yeah, goat's milk uh. might be funky. Uh. <laughs> she's like, there's a part where she's complaining. She's like, why must I live a life of one continuous conversion after another? And I was like, yo, dude, you're immortal. Do whatever. Like, like you can yeah, literally like, do you whatever. To, like, you literally don't <laughs> have to answer to anyone. Yeah, I. I, uh, oh, and Chris, you made an excellent note where she's trying to give words of encouragement to one of her maids, and she talks about, like, oh, you're going to be so great, you're going to be, like, you're going to succeed in life, don't worry, you're going to have a dozen children, and, and your note was, thousands of years of existence, and this is how you view your gender. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, like, she's just still like, have a lot of babies. And Be also, a mom. Also, this woman, the woman who went to prestigious universities and knows all kinds of shit about, like, medicine and philosophy and astronomy, she's like, she t- she tells her fucking uh, servants, like, oh, don't worry, you'll you'll have some babies. Like, why are you not educating them along with you? Why are you not bettering the women in your life? Why? Ugh. <laughs> All right, Paris. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had nothing to say else about this book for quite a bit. Oh, and then like... her other mate. No, no, no. I, I got a whole. Oh, don't you worry. Oh my god. Let's um, just keep, keep them what, coming. I'm just gonna what, react. So, to this so one of Luki's servants died in that fire that she intentionally caused to try to fake her own death. Um, and the other one who lived the, through the fire thing, uh, dies of the dumbest reason, and I don't understand why Luki couldn't just cure her. Um, she like stepped on a nail and died of tetanus slowly yeah. <laughs> like fucking what? nail got her man you know, I, sometimes just... you know even if you you have an immortal mistress that has has like all the healing she died because it was to make the point that luki can't cure everything she has thousands of years of knowledge but oh fucking nail to the foot sorry shouldn't have stepped there yeah um and so this book seems like it seems like the author did some googling about various points in history because you know gets some places right and some times right and things like that which okay great i'll take it um but for some reason whenever he talks about luki having uh, a sword he says the short roman blade she carried for protection and i was like bro it's a fucking gladius just fucking, you know it's a Gladius. You yeah, know I'm it is. Sure, that, that I was God. In your research, like, somewhere. like several times in the book, he, he the short Roman blade. She, oh my God, it's a fucking Gladius for the love of God. And um, that, that was my that was my note. It's called a fucking Gladius. Um, favorite book club. It's a fucking Gladius. Yeah, Come on. Sorry, sorry. God too damn. Many, too many years of classics. Um, six long years. Um. And and so the kind of the the climax of the action, I mean, not that you'd notice while reading it, but I think intended <laughs> to be the climax of action in the first it's book. It's one of those ones that you're just like, did did you fit it? Did you finish? Uh there's this weird part where um Luki thinks about killing herself and Nana stops her. But in a very 
bizarre way. Um, Chris, I don't know if you remember this part. I don't remember it super clearly enough to probably sell it the right way that it should, but I do remember being like, what? wait, why? why did that? Why is that the way? Also, we have we have been talking for an hour and a half and we haven't read anything from the book, so I should do that. Uh, <laughs> Mark, did you have the passage about this in front of you? I or? do, I do. Um, I'll, I'll read this. Luki rummaged through her bag for the short Roman blade she carried for protection. <laughs> it's a fucking blade. It's a gladius. fucking <laughs> She held it up to her eyes and stared at it with frightful emptiness. She turned to Nana with watery eyes and cupped her muzzle with a free hand. Nana, dear, what am I to do? What am I to do? When Luki touched her, Nana felt a dullness in the light of their bond. Luki's thoughts were disordered, not at all of the usual kind, and her words were strange with meanings that Nana did not fully understand. If there was one thing that Nana feared in life, it was the loss of her bond with Luki. Even in their cave home at the height of Luki's depression, it was not like this. Only once had Nana experienced a likeness to the dullness she now felt, the sense of her impending doom in the desert when she was a puppy. She could see the dullness expressed in Luki's black, purposeless eyes. For the first time since they left their cave home, she was truly afraid. The desert sands forged Nana. The desert sands gave her permanence. She knew what to do. Whatever mother was planning, it was not going to happen on her watch. She leaped at Luki, paws flying and grasping at Luki's arms, which caused Luki to fall back and lose her grip on the sword. Nana mounted Luki and moved her muzzle close to Luki's eyes. She viciously growled as if she had captured a wild animal and was about to break its neck, and she allowed the spittle from her muzzle to drop down on Luki's face, a sign that she was ready to carry out her desires. For the first time in their long existence, Luki was afraid that Nana turned into an untamed wolf, and there was pure terror in her eyes. If I have to, mother, I will mangle your fingers and toes. Henceforth, you will limp and grasp things with your knuckles, and you will beg me to hunt your daily rations. You will eat the remains of wild animals like a wild animal and lick their blood to quench your thirst. You will live nothing more, nothing less. Luki looked into Nana's mind, hoping to sway her mind. Nana growled the more, teeth ready to slice into Luki's face. Do you forget? I am like you. Do not shift me. Do not test me. Yeah, so Nana just, like, basically threatens to Metallica's won her if she actually kills her, tries to kill herself or something. Like, also, I think that that passage was actually a really good, um, kind of nugget, uh, to show you what all the writing in this book is like. It's, it's there, but it's not good. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of, uh, repeated words, uh, sort of in the same sentence or within the same couple of sentences, it's sort of not not really the way i don't know i mean that was mostly a dog speaking so i guess i'm not really sure how a dog (laughs) would speak but it seems i can't remember anything also i don't bit off my (laughs) fingers and toes (laughs) uh wish i knew what this sword was called (laughs) i really should be because i'm fucking old Take this sword away from me. Bite my toes and then my fingers too. <laughs> oh no, not my face as well. <laughs> oh no. Oh, uh, um, but um, this passage also confuses me. I, I made a note saying it was weird and creepy because, like, if somebody wants to kill themselves and then you just threaten to also kill them, I. I don't know no, how just that curse them. Just maim. Yeah, I mean, it does say maim, but... Nah. 
It doesn't, it doesn't. <sighs> yeah, not a really great, like, therapy strategy. I have a girlfriend who's a social worker, and I don't think she would uh, back that as a, as a viable way. Also, to... yeah, also, like, if I, okay, if I already don't want to live as kind of an average, you know, everyday person, why would I want to live more if you fucking mangle me? Like, no, if anything, I would yearn for death even more like you're you're not helping the situation here i i don't get it you think your life's so shitty i'll make it shitty oh and then here's <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like okay great i'm just gonna want to kill myself more sweet thanks um and then so that's the end of a chapter um and let me i'm just gonna read a little bit of the next chapter so because this is what we we're talking about b- about before where all of a sudden something different is happening uh-huh uh chapter eight to live alone Luki Galanzu loved the sea. She sat high in the bow of the merchant ship and let the light breezes and sea sprays gently embrace her, which tempered the harsh sun rays that reddened her shoulders and arms. She surveyed the distant shoreline in front of Hippo, her destination, and the home of her dearest friend, the famous Christian philosopher-priest Augustine. She looked (laughs) forward (laughs) to sitting under the aging shepherd's shade trees, cooling her legs up to her knees in a large pail of brine and leisurely sipping his delightful pomegranate wine. Luki looked down at Nana. Only a few leagues distant, Nana dear, and we shall learn what we learn. What? You know. I okay. First of all, I didn't know that like the the hot new uh the hot new like beauty treatment was sticking your legs in pails of brine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, no. <laughs> just gotta get the Pickle legs nice and tasty. Nice. Yeah. And also later when you need a snack, just you know, lean down. <laughs> yeah, just suck cut off, on it a little. Like, cut off a slice of your leg. Delicious. Yeah. No, uh, just no, don't have to cut it off. Just kinda of gum it a little, you know. Uh oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, just chew it a little bit. Um Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I mean, salt is an exfoliant, but it's like really harsh, uh you know. I, hey, when you're immortal, you gotta you gotta really go for it if you want to feel anything. Oh, that's true because like if you're immortal, your um your old layers of dead skin probably isn't sloughing off. So you, yeah, you gotta actually yeah you're right. You know what? You gotta use like those hard exfoliants like salt and sand and really <laughs> fucking rip that dead skin off of you. <laughs> the new immortal soap for you. It's sand and sandpaper. For your legs, get that skin that's been on you for hundreds of years off today. Actually, it's just a sanding bench. Just just get on there. It's just a belt sander, actually. It's just a belt sander. Power will be invented in 500 years, so, you know, Uh, just wait a little. You know, this is an investment. If you call right now. Are you immortal? Do you have the same skin? Actually, no. This whole line of joking does. I'm sorry. I got us here, and I need to apologize. That doesn't make any sense. If she's not aging, then her, of course, her skin isn't dying, right? Like, yeah, she's not yeah. changing. Sorry, I fucked that up. But that was funny <laughs> uh, if you suspend your disbelief shortly. But, oh, that's right. Wait, the next paragraph is why I thought that she and Augustine were boning. Uh, the peaceful sea excursions back and forth from Carthage and Augustine's unique blend of humor and philosophy always rejuvenated her. Admittedly, he sometimes went overboard in his fervor, but she never minded too much. She's prayed especially hard for August, as she warmly called the venerable prelate, to provide her with a miracle explanation this trip. She needed his help in a special way. That whole paragraph made me think like, oh, all right, they're like together, but no. (laughs) Oh, what a book, Paris. I I just... I think we were like, honestly, this has been going so long now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't Dark 
cave imprisoning me. All that I see. All of these bad guys. I cannot live. I cannot die. Trapped in a cave. Body with nothing but myself. Nana has taken my sight. She's taken my speech. She's taken my hearing. Okay, I'm done. Oh. Oh. I don't even know what to say anymore. I don't. Okay. Conclusion. Don't fucking read this book. No, please. don't even go into the other parts because I stopped. No, it only gets worse from here. Uh, it's real bad. Oh, all right. I think the only part we didn't get into deeply was when she came to America. Uh, and we, we there was a, I mean there was more of the same stuff. Her talking to some of the, of the tribal groups around there, and they oh, yeah, thought and she she's... was a wise woman, and she bred dogs for them, and then she left. Oh no! And then she ha- she did have that period where she, like you mentioned briefly earlier, where she was naked and quote wild in the woods and was just like eating raw deer and stuff and growling at people. Yep, you know, <sighs> gotta mix it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All uh... right. Well, Paris, how about we take you know thank you to the many people that support Tyro Book Club as well as the person that recommended this to us, Elisa. Yeah, thanks, Elisa. Uh, thanks, and thank you for your eternal patience. Um, and if you would like us to read something but not wait one or two years for us to do so, you can join our group of Patreon supporters at the $5 or more a month tier. Actually, I said that in the wrong way. At the $5 a month tier or higher, you can choose a book we read once per year and we'll read it immediately if you so desire. Uh, currently, those who have the direct power to guide our hands include Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Jared, Lynn, and Sina. Thank you all very, very much for your support. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, speaking of those patrons at the $5 tier or more, they will all soon be able to enjoy the first episode of Terriblo's Torture, a special video segment. Uh, we recorded it last weekend, and Chris is hard at work editing. I think he's actually almost done. I, I made something... Uh, just wah, exquisitely stupid, <laughs> I think, Paris. Yeah, um, so it's going to be up on the Patreon by the end of March, but maybe sooner um, for all of you who are at the $5 or more tier to enjoy. Um, yeah, it's got a it's got a particular uh, flavor that... You know, we're, we're still gonna... getting we're just... our production legs in the video form, but like I think I, I rolled with, I rolled into it quite well. Yeah, um, we're going to say that it was all intentional, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh as of right now we are only seven dollars away from our next patreon goal so if you want to give us easier access to books get some maybe tbc bookmarks in production and watch that new video you can head over to patreon.com slash join slash terrible book club and become a patron um you can also enjoy other types of extra content um including tracks of me and chris watching movies or tv show companions to books we've read on the podcast uh the latest is the super mario brothers movie <laughs> that was a good one yeah that other was... content includes a full season of legend of the seeker that, that's basically what we did last year yeah boy, we, oh boy. <laughs> it took fucking forever um yeah there is there's actually i was i was looking at the patreon and i was like wow there's a lot of content on here for for five dollar or more patrons so uh if you're looking for more of more of us talking there is a lot of it um yeah uh i guess as one of a kind of a minor note if um if you don't have a podcast like app of choice or if you are open to checking out a new one do us a favor download the radio public app 
and listen to us on there because if you do that, it helps us passively generate income for the show. Um, every play on Radio Public gets us two cents and an extra dollar bonus if you listen to three episodes in a row. So um, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but that is a hell of a lot more than anywhere oh, yeah. else offers. Um, I think at this point, only Spotify offers anything and even what they offer is trash. It's like point oh 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 one cent <laughs> yeah. um, per play. So two cents per play plus the dollar bonus for um, three <clears throat> excuse me back to back listens is actually um, a pretty good source Quite of income. Wonderful. For the- yeah, a it's, really nice deal. It's pretty great. Uh, Radio Public also helped us make our website so uh, we're big fans of them and um, if you would consider it we uh, we hope that you will download the app download the app and listen to us on there because that would uh, help us a little bit. Uh, we also love when people say hi and interact with us, so please reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, or Facebook. You can also send emails to us at terriblebookclub at gmail.com. And if you haven't done so, uh, go ahead and review the show. Um, I mean, you can do it on iTunes, you can do it somewhere else, like on whatever podcast app of choice you have, or I don't know. There are Just open your way... window and scream about how much you like <laughs> the podcast, Yeah, you actually. know what? You know what? Put on a tri-cornered hat, get a bell, and start just crying <laughs> just about... Just proclaiming it everywhere you go. Terrible book club! Terrible <laughs> oh, books! <laughs> it's my terrible books club, and I need it now. <laughs> are you an immortal being? Do you need yeah. entertainment? No. Oh, wow. Even immortal beings need some curation on the kind of books they read, Paris. That's true. Ugh. God, yeah, actually, probably more so than the average person because, I mean, I feel like there are too many books now in the present day. Imagine if you were a mortal being. Oh, man. It's like, it's too much. Too many scrolls. Exactly. You know, mm. we're here. Check out Terrible Scroll Club. <laughs> <laughs> Our prequel. Terrible Scroll Club. <laughs> oh, that, that, that was our influence way back from uh, ancient Sumer. No, that was actually Terrible Clay Tablet Club, which is a lot harder to find copies of nowadays. Yeah, no, Terrible Scroll Club. Um, <laughs> you see, that was founded in Alexandria, but that shit fucking burned down. So yeah, it you was know. a horrible podcasting fire that <laughs> they tried to do the first podcast in the world ever, ever in, in the history, and the whole library went up. Yeah, so. they. I mean, they had strings and shells for miles just <laughs> trying to get. Them. Shit on the airwaves. <laughs> oh God! All right, this episode is too long, and I yeah, hated wow. it. I hated it. I can't, be- I can't believe we went this long. I hate. It. There was just too much. I just had like a list of things. There was nothing of substance to talk about. I just had a list. It was <laughs> yet we, yet it's an hour and like thirty minutes. <laughs> Fucking no! It's like two hours. Oh wow! All right, we better get out of here then, Paris. Oh, all right. We, unless you unless you're immortal, this is too long. Oh no, you've discovered my secret. Oh, no, no. You're going to have to just cast me into the fire just without remorse. Yeah, what did you what did you think what did you think happened a terrible scroll club? Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh, and with that, we leave you. All right, uh, bye guys. <laughs>